Just a heads up, this following episode contains descriptions of mental health struggles and experiences of eating disorders. If this episode brings up anything for you, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or the Butterfly Foundation on 1800 334 673. From the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne, this is The Yarn. I'm Clancy Balin. Last week, we heard Hulk Pressure Part 1, Pills and Powders. All these are the different protein powders that just fill the shells head to toe. And there's just so many of them, and they're all in, like, powdered forms or bars or... Yeah, there's just so many. Reporter Harry Sekulich investigates the rise of workout supplement use among adolescent men and the devastating health issues that they can have on developing bodies. Recent research is showing that growing numbers of teenagers are using these supplements and at surprisingly young ages. The impacts of unregulated supplement use can be grave, with growing numbers of men presenting at hospital with liver damage from supplement usage. But with all the health risks associated with it, the question still remains, why are so many young men using these supplements? This is Hulk Pressure Part 2, Men and Mirrors, a look into male body image and the dangers young men face in striving for the perfect body. When I started noticing supplement packages and advertisements, I wasn't just taken aback by the sheer amount of them. Every supplement featuring men on the cover had something in common. Huge arms, huge legs, six packs. One of them looked like a lo-fi version of Chris Hemsworth. For something marketed for the everyday person, it didn't reflect the diversity of bodies among men. Rather, it seemed to promote one specific type of body, muscular. A study by the Butterfly Foundation shows two in five men are unhappy with their appearance and that body dissatisfaction among men is growing rapidly and approaching the same level as women. I'm Harry Sekulich, and this is The Hulk Pressure, Part 2, Men and Mirrors. Hello, Alex. Good afternoon, Harry. How's it going? Ah, I'm well. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Very well. That's good. It's a slightly cold day down in Melbourne. This is Alex Rodriguez. He's a 23-year-old personal trainer and a pretty chipper guy. Very easy to talk to and full of personality. He seems like the kind of person who is friends with his local barista and will stop and speak with people at the shops because he's just that friendly. This is his story. When I was 14... Um, year eight, early high school, I, over the past couple of years, had become very fixated on fitness and wanting to be athletic. And I started to become obsessed and fixated on needing to, to look athletic and to, to perform athletically to, to attract women because that's what I perceived um, girls my age to be interested in because guys like that got a lot of attention. Before long, Alex says he became very focused on exercise, in particular, running. Over the next four to six months, my, my body weight just spiralled down out of control and my, my mental state spiralled out of control and people slowly around me started to point out that I was, I was looking smaller and that I was looking tired. And 
By this stage, he says it had really started to take its toll on all parts of his life. It got to the point where I couldn't run anymore because my knees were too weak and too painful and my energy levels were too low. I could barely fathom going for a run. So I started bike riding and and swimming. So it was lower impact exercise and I did that, but then the same pattern happened and it got to the stage where I could barely muster the energy to do that. And I remember in the afternoon, um, early December in 2012, I got pulled out of school and taken to the doctor and they said I had to go to the hospital. And I got admitted in early December and they told me in the emergency that I had a few more days to live, most likely. And they said it, it's it's lucky that you made it here. So, so I'd go through deep depressive waves where the eating disorder would take control and, and tell me every dark thought in the book. So I was going to get fat or I was going to get lazy or I would never be able to achieve anything ever again. And just all of these dark, irrational thoughts that I was, I was feeling and thinking to myself. And it got very, very upsetting and, and challenging. Alex's experience is no doubt something difficult to take in. But as a spokesperson for the eating disorder organisation, the Butterfly Foundation, he knows that, unfortunately, he's not alone. As the foundation has shown, two in every five men have negative feelings about their body. I was in quite a deep depression um, and was suicidal. I did attempt suicide. TV shows and on YouTube and Instagram and Facebook, there always seems to be this perfect person or this perfect young man it the looks scary like part this. is that there's a lot of males out there that don't reach out there's no stigma. body image issues in women have received a lot of needed publicity over the years the pressure for women has traditionally been to be thinner or smaller for men there's a reverse pressure you need to be bigger or fitter than everyone else in order to be visible as alex's story shows the pressure here is real and having an impact on young men. But where does this pressure come from? My instinct told me sport. I went to a high school that placed a high premium on its rugby performance, not so much on academics. I remember being kind of jealous because at almost every school assembly, a rugby player was hailed for their grit and their guts on the field. I spoke with Dave Burt, the founder of Sport and Life Training in Melbourne, a not-for-profit seeking to debunk hypermasculinity as the main goal for adolescent boys. Team sport has an incredibly positive effect on kids because one person has a shot but someone else has a better shot so they give the ball off to the person with a better shot or they sprint off the field to make way for someone else or they put their body on the line they take a hit for somebody else and it's about others. Dave makes a good point. When people in the sporting world are discovered for using supplements, it's usually splattered front and centre of the next day's news coverage. And it's not exactly promoting a team mentality, trying to shine brighter than everyone else. So, where might you find people physically competing against their own limitations? Turning away from team sport, my mind turned to a solo game, the gym. Brady Puero, the personal trainer who you heard from in episode one, has opened up his own fitness studio in Adelaide. He says his time working at gyms drove him to do something different. 
a lot of the demographic that I'm seeing, I have my own studio and people have been into gyms and, and, and the gyms I've been into that felt very judged, they haven't felt pretty enough to be there. Sean Siddle works at Beach Fit in Bondi at the foreshore of Sydney's pristine eastern suburbs. If you're familiar with the area, you'll know that it's home of many of the world's prettiest people, with a compulsory Instagram shot of the iceberg pools forming part of people's daily routines. Sean says supplements have a unique place in Bondi's gym scene. 95% of the people taking these supplements are just people that want to look better. If you understand the fitness industry, you understand that it's based around most of the athletes who are full-time professional bodybuilders or physique athletes. Their primary income is a, is a supplement sponsorship from one of the big companies. Like you've got like um, uh, BSC or Optimum Nutrition or any of these kind of companies. They're paying these athletes full-time um, so they can train, they can focus on their nutrition. Yes, I've stumbled across some of their ads. They somehow found their way into my social media feed, although I had never really taken an interest in them until I joined the gym. I think back to those first few posts that came up on my phone, what started my rabbit hole search in the first place, seeing huge men with massive arms, thinking their physiques seem almost beyond human. This is such a clean product and probably the cleanest one on the market that when you mix it and drink it, you will think you're drinking chocolate water. The use of WPI after training as an athlete is to enhance. I've also tried out their creatine and a bunch of other products because they have an enormous variety of products, including some relatively unusual ones like egg protein powder. Pride is like different that. than any other pre-workout on the market. It has 1,650 milligrams of nootropics, so that's mental focus. It also has nearly 300 milligrams of caffeine from five different sources. There was one in particular which caught my eye, and I needed to hear what an expert thought about it. We've heard from Dr. Zali Yeager in episode one who found half the adolescent boys she surveyed took some form of muscle-building supplement. She also showed a great number of these boys were taking supplements because they weren't happy with their own appearance. I'm just going to share my screen now. Um, I'm going to show you a post by an influencer um, on Instagram, which I captured not long ago. Do I be scared? <laughs> uh, well... The- I don't think so. Okay, share screen. I'll leave the name of this influencer out of the podcast for legal reasons. But in a social media post, he's got a photo of himself showing off his bulging biceps as he wears a singlet. Alongside, he writes, and I quote, A greater body not only gives you a better physical presence, but also gives you a massive boost in your confidence it will make others respect you more. You will have 10 times more energy and it will increase your attractiveness and your sexual drive. End quote. A good body will make others respect you more. So are we we to assume that the inverse is true, that if you have a bad body, people won't respect you? So I think that's an interesting take on things. Yeah, I guess that it's sort of reflecting some of the stereotypes that we have in society you know, and, and some there is some research that supports that, you know, people, men in particular who are taller, end up earning more on average than men who are, you know, shorter. And there's sort of this linear association that goes up with their height and their pay grade. The reality of some of the images of men, muscular men that you see, is just as unrealistic as 
the very thin images of women and, you know, we're just talking in terms of how they're actually built, but then there is a whole range of editing that they would use after taking an image as well that will increase the level of muscularity that they appear to have, but also the it will also make them look like they've got much less body fat. You need to think about whether you need to compare yourself to that person when, you know, they've cheated, really. Brady seems to think so too. Men can get so, so big on supplements. Like, it's ridiculous. And, you know, you look in the mirror, you might have... I don't know, you know, like decent sized arms, but you, you, like you go on your phone for half an hour and you see all these men with triple the size and you start thinking like, what else can I do? And you turn to, yeah, things like Psalms and Broids and but like that's why boys have self-esteem issues. That's why boys turn to Psalms. That's why boys turn to Broids because they're not advertised enough. Like what can actually be done without these, uh, yeah, like supplements. Does anyone really need to take supplements then? Do they actually work? The way I view supplements is, is, is very simple. <laughs> if you're deficient, <laughs> you take a supplement. And so many people I spoke with agree. No, these supplements aren't magic things that are going to you know, turn you into the Hulk or anything like that. You don't need any of this stuff. Just have a good, well-balanced diet. That's all you need, and it's a damn sight cheaper. Once your t- testosterone production does kick into gear, then you will build muscle much more easily naturally. You don't actually need to take anything that's going to increase that or support that. But as I know from speaking with Alex, the factual argument against relying on muscle building supplements isn't sticking, as plenty of young men are still taking them as a shortcut to a better body. But why? Social media now, um, we have access to it at our thumbs 24-7, first thing of the day, last thing we do at night scrolling Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. We just see this ideal plastered everywhere. And he's tall, he's muscular, he's got huge arms, he's got a huge chest, he's got huge shoulders, he's absolutely shredded his abs. On magazines, in movies, the, the muscular, shredded, tall man's always the one who's successful, who has women, who is rich, is popular, who has social status. Status, respect, stronger sex drive, attractiveness, success. It all sounds so tempting, so rewarding. If this is what supplement companies are trying to achieve, then their marketing is no doubt having an impact. All these promises are alluring and seem to cover all bases. They suggest taking their formulas and ingredients will lead you to living fulfilling lives, far beyond just achieving your health and fitness goals. It's no wonder young men are linking happiness to a better body. And yet body positivity hasn't taken off nearly as much with men as it has with women. If young men keep aspiring to have a Hulk-like body, why wouldn't they turn to muscle-building supplements and do so at younger ages to get ahead of the pack? I've spoken to so many people, heard so many stories, and read so much about supplements. It's time to reflect on what brought me here in the first place. Supplements clotting my social media feed and some feeble questioning over whether my gym membership was worth the weekly fork out. Most people would probably just do a Google search to find some answers. For me, I did this podcast, and I still don't have all the answers. 
But one thing I do know for sure, young men like Alex are more vulnerable to body image struggles than I had ever imagined. I, I just fought back to the eating disorder and did everything that I had to in hospital. And I think a couple of days before New Year's Eve, I, I got discharged. And again, when I was walking out, I, I said to myself, I'm never, ever coming back here. I'm never spending another day in I'm spending another Christmas in here. I'm, I'm going to build my life back. And if there's just one thing Alex wishes he could tell his younger self. I think that's more important to me as a person to gain respect, I guess, from being a, a, a humble, dedicated, but compassionate person. I want, to, I want to people to respect me for that rather than focusing entirely on looking a certain way and people, quote unquote, respecting me for, for looking a certain way. I'm Harry Sekulich. This is The Hulk Pressure. Thanks for listening. That story was by Harry Sekulich. The Yarn is produced at the Centre for Advancing Journalism and our executive producer is Louisa Lim. If you like the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Every review helps us get the show out there. See you next week.